When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to your weekly dose of shock therapy brought to you by the State Again Network. I'm your host, Tyler Lawrence, and with me as always is my co-host, Zach Alfers. We got an exciting episode today. We got Kyle Henning and Garrett Williams from the Kingdom Says podcast. They are also with the State Again Network. They cover the Chiefs. How is everybody doing? We're doing awesome. Great. Man, another good day in the Kingdom right now. Yeah, excited to, excited to be on Talking Chiefs. Well, this is Chiefs Week. We're going to be breaking down your guys' roster. I got a couple of things to put out before we go. It's actually my birthday today, if you guys didn't know that. What? What? Hey, happy birthday. Hey, happy birthday. Big 30 years old. I'm actually wow. going to Yosemite this weekend. I'm excited to do some hiking, get out in the Yosemite. wilderness. So it's the first time I've ever been. I'm from California, but never, ever made the chance up to, to go up north. So I'm pretty oh. excited about that. Yeah. It should be a good trip. It's very beautiful out there. What are you going to do out there? What is your plan? Uh, the wife makes all the the uh, hiking trips yep. for me. Even for and your I just birthday? Go. Even for my birthday, bro. You don't just, get a just say, I want to see a pretty rock or something? Yeah, we'll see the pretty rocks. She's got the hikes. She's the one that does all the planning. I'm just, uh, uh, tell me where to go and I'll go. That's kind of my thing. Always down for a good adventure. And Yosemite is a, a sweet place for that. Yeah. That's up in your neck of the woods too, Zach. Close Closer. enough. Yeah. Close enough. I, I must be going out from the West Coast. Yeah. yeah. Well, the other actually. thing I wanted to bring out is I did join the LA Football Network as a writer. Uh, I know Zach's been writing with them. I know some of my old coworkers over at the Brawl Network or, or podcasts over there. So I'm excited to start writing for a LA football-centric organization with a lot of good people already that I've met. So I'm stoked to start writing about that. I did just write my first article. Uh, if you haven't got a chance to give it a read, go go over to the LA Football Network and give it a read. Uh, so like I said today, we're going to be going over the, the Chiefs roster top to bottom. I think it's only fitting to start talking about the Chiefs coaching staff. So I'll, I'll start with you, Gary. What, what are your thoughts on Andy Reid and what does he need to do to, to become a, a better coach become more recognized he's already at the top of the game but i mean bill yeah. check is he's not at that point so what, what does he got to do yeah i think he's just gotta you know take us back to the to the playoffs like he always does he's i he, we've, he's only missed the playoffs one year since he's been in kansas city and he's you know i think he's proven to be definitely a top you know coach of all time definitely a top coach in the league right now um you know definitely there's you know a couple things that still need to be worked on uh, red zone last year was a, a tough, a tough, uh, you know, area for us. Um, we had trouble converting a lot of those touchdown, you know, long touchdown drives that we would 
kind of end up fizzling out on and having to take three points on. Um, and just, you know, there's a couple times last season where Andy got, you know, a little too creative for even for himself, maybe. And, uh, you know, dialed up a couple, uh, you know, a couple of plays where Sammy Watkins is throwing the football downfield to Mahomes and, and stuff like that. So, you know, I think a lot of that, a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the chemistry issues came down to some of the injury problems that we had last year and, uh, you know, just not having the, the full spectrum of weapons and, and pieces that he wanted. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to win us the football game. Um, it's just a matter of uh, let, not, not letting the foot off the gas at the end of the game and, and winning by multiple touchdowns instead of by just a touchdown or three points, which uh, if anyone bet on the Chiefs last year, they would know that happened a lot. Like, I, I don't think the Chiefs covered their spread for like, 11, the, like their last 11 or 12 games. It was kind of it was kind of ridiculous where we'd get a, a lead early on and then just all hang on by the end. So, What are your thoughts on Andy Recall? I guess the only thing I would say in in the same vein, I I don't agree with as much of that as what Garrett went with, but I think my main thing for him is the killer is the step on the throat. He is too nice. And with leads, he does let seem to let teams crawl back in games. We most of those games were three points, but they were still two possessions until somebody scored late or whatnot. So it is and isn't an an issue. It's where I ran into that. We ran into that narrative a lot last year. Well, they're only winning by three games. That's where you got the quote for three points. Three got the quote from Mahomes of, I guess we're not winning by enough. I guess that's a stat. So uh, my thing would just be finish and, and don't even let them make it even kind of be a narrative to be close at the end of games would be the only thing I'm really worried about with him. The creativity thing. I don't want to discourage. He's going to keep doing it. And I want it to keep happening. Just make sure you have the weapons that are actually capable of executing the plays you call is about where I was at with that is he's trying to run some of that stuff with guys that are either like McColl who didn't has had one exactly one training camp with the program or some guys that haven't done those roles before. So Travis, you know, runs that ball and instead of trying to throw a one foot pass and getting it knocked down, it's a touchdown. Instead, we kick a field goal, little things like that throughout the year. Talking about the uh, the red zone, uh, he could have just ran that in. I totally remember that watching that game and seeing that happen. And Travis knew it, too. But he also knew that if he didn't throw Pat that ball, Pat was going to be upset. So, yeah. Well, I will say Andy Reid's probably one of the most creative play callers of all time, especially in the red zone. He likes to do a lot of jet sweeps. He likes to do a lot of misdirection type stuff there. Uh, He is the best play caller in the NFL. I don't care who anyone says about him. He, He is. And one of the things you touched on, Garrett, is his teams are always in the playoffs from the Eagles all the way to the Chiefs. He's been coaching for 20 years. And he's got a 63% regular season win rate and a 53% postseason win rate. So he's he is productive. He's gotten to the Super Bowl three times. He's won it once. He's he's the guy. And I I think he is what other teams should be trying to to look for. He he is that guy. What are yeah. your thoughts, Zach? Well, yeah, when I think of Andy Reid, I instantly jump to the win-loss column. And when you look at the wins, I mean, he's one of the best coaches in the game today. And and you look at the win column, he, he you can make a really good argument that he's one of the best all times. 222 wins, second or ranked sixth in NFL history. He's second among active coaches, only behind you know, the cutoff hoodie king himself, Bill Belichick. But the man just wins football games. He's already has a very impressive resume, but he doesn't look like he's slowing down. He's one of the best football minds in the game. And when he's running the show, you know, the chiefs are going to be good. 
They've been to two consecutive Super Bowls now, and I think Andy Reid has a lot to do with that. And then moving on from Andy Reid, let's talk about coordinators. And before I talk about Eric Benimi and and Steve Spagnuolo, Andy Reid's coaching tree is out of this world good. I mean, you look, he's from the Bill Walsh, Walsh coaching tree, but you look at like John Harbaugh, Doug Peterson, Ron Rivera, Sean McDermott, Brad Childress, Matt Nagy, Leslie Frazier. The list just goes on and on and on. And he just develops coaches like no other. What are your thoughts on Eric Benimi? Uh We'll go to Garrett. Okay, well, first of all, let's set the record straight here that it's Eric Bienemy and Steve Spagnola. So... Uh, you know, whatever. I'm not a Chiefs fan, bro. That's why you bring the Chiefs fans on. Come on, just gotta you know make sure we're representing here in the Chiefs kingdom. Looks like I'm actually gonna have to start drinking this. What is that? This is the kind of podcast this is about to be, huh? Yeah, but no, Eric Bieniemy is an awesome, awesome guy for us. He is, I mean, 100% in tune with the players. All of the guys love him. Uh, he's such a creative guy. Like he's been obviously learning from Andy Reid for a long time. Like he was a player for Andy Reid. He's coached under Andy Reid for years. so he's very familiar with everything Andy Reid does. And, you know, there's there's been some knocks on him that, you know, people say that he hasn't gotten a head coaching job for this, that, and other. But at the end of the day, he is as good of a head coaching candidate as you would ever want in someone. Like, he is a leader of men. He is, like, he is going to set a standard and set a culture in a locker room. Like, he will, he will be the amazing face of an organization anywhere he went. And it's just, it's ridiculous that, no other team has, has swooped him up from us yet. I mean, we'll keep him for as long as, as we can because he's an awesome dude for us. But he's definitely deserving of a head coaching role somewhere. He would, I mean, just completely change a, a team. And just it's just all about the players, you know. It's The guys have such a special bond with him. You'll see it in, in Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, just the interactions they have with them. He's, he's one of the guys, but he also, you know, there's a level of respect with him that everyone has. And it's, it's, it really resonates throughout the whole team. So why didn't he get the the job though? Why what, why do your what are your thoughts, Kyle? Like why why did Eric Bieniemy, whatever his name is, I don't really care. <laughs> but why why wasn't he picked up for for that type of position elsewhere? Oh boy. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, if you really want to get into that conversation, um, there were rumors that he doesn't interview well. That's a load of crap. Um, if you've ever watched an interview with that man that maybe his first year as an OC, he was a little more Andy Reid in the mold, coach speak, don't do this, don't do that. Because you got to remember, Andy runs a ship a certain way, and if you buck the ship, you, you usually get tossed off the ship. So you have to create your own space in there first. So obviously his first year, he was very much so the, uh, we're just here to play football. Uh, we're just here to do, like, that's what you got out of him in those interviews. Since then, no, totally different dude. And the push and shove of it is that they've claimed that it was because they're going too deep in the playoffs now. Well, that doesn't really add up because Belichick candidates got hired for decades when they were in the playoffs every year. Okay. So let's see. Those guys did not do well elsewhere. I was going to say, and there's also that part where you were talking about the coaching tree with Andy and, and everybody wants to compare those bill and Andy. Well, if you compare bill and Andy, um, I'm including coaching trees. I really don't think that's a conversation at that point in that section. No, it's not even close. The other thing is Andy's the only guy with two straight or two times, three straight championship game appearances, both conferences, two franchises, uh, 
and he didn't do it with Tom Brady for 20 years. We, we've clearly seen as part of the recipe to making the Patriots good because Cam Newton made them suck. So you do that what you will. Um, I love all the shade. I have it's no love. For the and here comes and the shade. I love it. Coach. You can put that on your hot take list, but he's a great with you there. coordinator. With you. But Tom Brady made that franchise run on the offensive side of the football for a long time. Well, that's going to be a totally different Patriots but, team this year, and I'm actually oh yeah. looking forward to see how that meshes when when Belichick gets he gets so, his tight ends back. He gets his big tight ends back. That's yeah. something he's. I'm curious. I'm curious to see if Cam can throw the ball. But with along the enemy lines, then you narrow it down to okay. Well, let's look at the last guy that got a job from there. Let me Matt Nagy. Well, he supposedly didn't call plays, and he still got scooped up by Chicago. Okay, maybe let's go back one more. Uh, Doug Peterson. Oh, wait. Same story. Okay, so what was Nick Sirianni as the offensive coordinator with the Eagles? Is that right? Sirianni got hired in. I I don't even. He must play rock (laughs) paper scissors. I don't know. I'm out. (laughs) I'm out on Sirianni until he actually proves anything. I I can't with that. That hire made no sense at the time. It still doesn't. The only reason they didn't for me with Philly not going being me is because of the connection to Andy Reid. And Andy probably said you're not. The other thing is. Philly apparently seems to want a puppet as a coach and not a coach. They want a guy they can control and put their thumb on, much like Houston wanted when they hired 68-year-old um, – oh, help me. Somebody. I don't even know his David name. Coley. Yeah. Yeah, David Coley. Yeah, David Coley. Also, by the way, a former Andy Reid offensive coordinator, interestingly enough. Um, spent a ton of time with Andy, never got a head coaching job, so – all of a sudden now he's worthy of the job and Benjamin's not. That tells me Benjamin opted out of some of these jobs, but also I would have opted out of the Texas job in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. I said oh, yeah. I've been well, on record. Let's re- let's, let There's me no way that. in hell I'm taking that job with uh what's his let name? Me- it's still in the still in the franchise. Um the pastor from the Patriots, what's his face? That's out there <laughs> making all- Yeah, that guy. There's no way I'm taking any job in Houston with that dude still in the franchise. None. I will say, me being a fan and a podcaster, I would have taken that job, but I would have failed miserably, just like anybody else in that job is gonna fail. So I would have no tried. Chance. Hey, Texans, if you're if you're looking position. for a GM, yeah, I'm high. the guy. I can fix it with your two draft picks in the in the first five in the rounds next or seven whatever. years. Yeah, I have, it's just I have six hats that I wear. Yeah, on a r- routine basis, I switch them out every day of the week, and yeah. then I just go. Natural hair on Sundays. And we I'm the head coach, GM, OC, DC. That's what I'm saying. We used to kill Bill O'Brien, and I wonder how much of it was actually his fault and how much of it is the fact that that organization is just a dumpster fire. <laughs> it's going down but, fast. Like it's I said, the, the thing on the enemy thing is very simple. You can look. There's two reasons. One, I think he's turned down jobs, and two is the other obvious reason I'm not even going to bother stating for the blatantly obvious fact of what it is. And I think you're right. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. You look at his resume. The dude is a very, very good football mind. Why does this guy not have a a shot right now? He had, what, five, six interviews last year, and nobody took the shot on him. It's a matter of time. It's a matter of time before somebody decides to. Um, It's honestly a travesty that he's not a head coach right now. And, and everybody think, in the division should be mad if he's still an offensive coordinator for us. Oh, I'm going to get him out of there. Uh, so let, let's put the record straight. The Chiefs offense has been really good for very a lot of years, but they really didn't start breaking records till the enemy started taking over as OC. And then they're just now they're on some different plane. We'll talk um, about part of that reason. The other reason for that next. I'm sure that's the next spot we're going. 
Well, before we get there, I do want to I do want to give one last input on Eric Bieniemy. I think a major reason he's not getting that is because he's a former running back. He's never done, handled full play calling duties, and it's a passing league. And I think that's one of the reasons why Anthony Lynn flamed out. It's not that type of league anymore, and I think teams are worried that him being a former running back, him holding the position he has. I, I think that's scaring some teams away, and I, I think would, that makes sense. My only rebuttal to that would be um, the reason Anthony Lynn flamed out is because his decision-making as far as a head coach okay, was – you're right. Yeah, that's, that's a tough comparison a, for sure. As a Charger fan, I instantly <laughs> went to – enemy couldn't be worse than Lynn. There's <laughs> no, no way. No, there's, there's, no. There's but, nothing worse than that. I, and also I, just the fact like – you know, a head coach, you know, he can have the play calling duties, obviously, but, you know, you can hire an offensive coordinator to, to take some of those responsibilities. And at the you end of the should. day, yeah, you and at should. the end of the day, the enemy is going to contribute so much more as a head coach being, a, you know, a leader and, and doing that role than, uh, you know, anything else. So, that is yeah, true. I agree that you should probably have, unless you have an Andy Reid as a head coach, you probably should have an, a, a play caller as your offensive coordinator. I but, will. Uh, I'll steal an Andy Reid quote, leader of men. True That's that. what you hire as a head football coach. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care if he can. I don't care if he can coach offense or defense. I don't. If, I don't care if he can coach linebackers. I can hire people. There's a reason. There's a coordinator spot and a position coach spot and a GM and all. His job is to make the big time game decisions and lead those guys and be that locker room dude. And that that's locker why room loves that man. Well, the, and we can't say like the enemy has so much input on the game plan. On top of that, well. Mahomes is very talented, but he's not where he is at today without the enemy in his ear, helping him go through all the progressions that make Mahomes so great. He didn't have the struggles of young quarterbacks that we see today. He was instantly great from day one, and enemy and Reed had a lot to do with that. And it also helped that he had an offensive line in front of him. He had weapons to throw to. He had a running back, Kareem Hunt. All of that helps. Project All 11, of that baby. helps. Alex Smith helps a ton, too, and gets no love for what he did for that kid. Yeah, I Alex loved Smith. Alex I'm with you. Smith. I That's like Alex true. Smith a lot, and I'm really hoping Chase Daniel has the same effect on Justin Herbert. Chase so Daniel's well, a very good backup. Don't yeah, let anybody say, tell you otherwise. You guys had Chase Daniel. That's, That's exactly what I'm talking about, though, is yeah. that he is that backup, and he's been in that system with the Saints. We're not going to get too far into the Chargers roster. I kind of want to keep the Chiefs chief days. Yep, he was in our system as Chase well. Daniel was a Chief for a couple of years. That's so true. moving on to defensive coordinator, though, Steve Spagnuolo, whatever his name is, again. He's calling Spags. 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 Yeah. Spags. Spags. So Spags is another highly respected coach in NFL circles for his defense. Uh, he's won two Super Bowls for two different teams, one with the Chiefs last year, and then in 2009, I think, he was with the Giants. Uh, he ranks, runs primarily a 4-3 base defense. Uh, his He utilizes blitzers from the 4-3, which is not quite as normal, but his top blitzing player was Daniel Sorensen, which is interesting last year. Uh, and then, obviously, Tyran Matteo, they both combined for 110 pass rush attempts. And Ben Neiman from the linebacker position was also your guys' primary blitzer. Uh, not too mm-hmm. impressed with Sorensen or Neiman as blitzers specifically, uh, but you guys are lacking that linebacker that plays that kind of the style of defense. And really, it's it's Spagnuolo's scheme, Spags' scheme, whatever you want to talk about. So, what are your thoughts on on Spags? Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. 
If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Yeah, um, so... Go ahead, you want to Okay. So, yeah, Tyron Matthew, by the way, is a, a great contributor to that defense. But, no, Spags... <laughs> listen, Spags does run a 4-3 a defense by uh, by definition, but it's so hard to categorize what Spags does on the, on as a defensive play caller. Like, if you look at statistics and look at what they do, they do stuff completely different from anyone else in the league, like, by far. Like, the blitzes they run, the packages they run, like, everything that they do play calling-wise and everything that Spags dials up, like, it is just far and beyond stuff that, you know, no one else is doing in the NFL right now. And, you know, like you said, they, he utilizes blitzes a lot, and he'll use any guys. I mean, he dominated with uh, DB blitzes last year. He had like a, a DB blitz sack four weeks in a row, I believe, with just you know rookie rookie DB Jarius Sneed and uh, DeAndre Baker, you know, and week 17 and a couple of guys like that. Like he will, he will. If you you know can can move and you have athleticism, you're gonna excel in, in Spags' defense. Um, and he's just, he's an unbelievable uh, guy. He's another guy who, you know, he's former head coach and, you know, he didn't do great as a head coach, but he's still really respected by all of his players and um, all the coordinators. Like it's a, also a shout out to all the coordinators that he has on staff, Brendan Daly, uh, Matt House for linebackers. Like he has a really good defensive staff that, you know, all together just it completely reformed our defense from, from 2018 and just, you know, with the addition of Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, and a couple guys like that, like, he, he really turned the defense around and, and made it a very good defense. I do I do like that he is kind of different from that 4-3, you know, typical 4-3s. You're dropping a lot more in zone. You're not doing a whole lot of blitzes. Most of your 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 heavy blitzing teams, they run a 3-4, 
And obviously we're talking about today's NFL where you're never in base defense. You're always in some sort of nickel or dime, yeah. but it is interesting to see how he utilizes his defense from that four, three, um, you know, off, what do you want to call it? Uh, he, he does use his, his DBs a lot to blitz, which is interesting. I saw ward blitzing a lot. We talked about Sneed. We talked about Baker, obviously his safeties. Uh, he does, run a defense a little bit different than most four, three defensive coordinators. So with Spags, you get a lot of what you get with Andy on offense. You get a lot of innovative, different looks. Um, if you guys harken back to when he was the DC for that giants team that actually beat the Patriots team, he had a lot of success running that amoeba front with those four down linemen where he basically told those guys, pick which matchup you want, line up there and beat that dude. And I think you're going to see more of that this year. Um, in, including with the, with the moves they made along the defensive line and kind of how that's laying out. I, I expect him to be more innovative there. Also, um, you're not alone, not wanting Ben Neiman on the field. Um, everybody <laughs> in Chiefs We Kingdom. got his brother, bro. So <laughs> we got his, his brother. brother. His brother might his be brother, stud. His brother's about four times more athletic than Ben is. So athletic. Ben, so is, athletic. ben is the guy who knows where to be but can't quite get there. That's why he's on the field. <laughs> He's the smart Spags would rather have a guy that knows what he's supposed to do, knows the assignments and knows where, how to get everybody else in their spots. And then he may be a step slow versus the guy that, Oh, I leave this dude out of place. And then now I got two guys that are burnt. So even if it's just one, it's Neiman. Now the solution to Ben Neiman has been hopefully drafted either of the last two years. I really don't care which one, both. Yes. All of the above. I really don't care which, but as far as Spags is concerned, if he wants a head coaching job, he's probably in line to get one too. So that's uh, I think he's more of a long him. shot. I think you're looking for younger offensive coordinators. Typically, is is how it's been going. You're going to get that teams are to go against that are have to go against the grain because everybody can't hire an OC to be a head coach. You've already seen it. You, they brought yeah, in the yeah. defensive coach in a couple areas. You cannot. Everybody can't have the young guru offensive mind. It, they, that's the all, hot ticket, though. That's first what of all, gurus want. don't exist like that. They just yeah. don't. <laughs> and also, I don't think that I think that hot ticket might kind of start to fizzle out here in the next couple of years. I mean, you've seen guys like Zach Taylor and you know Nick Sirianni get hired, and you know Zach Taylor hasn't had much success so far. I mean, granted, he's had some struggles, but I don't know. I, th these offensive coordinates, Sean McVay kind of popularized it, but yeah, I'm not sure. Did. I'm and not Kyle sure. Coffee yeah, with Sean McVay. Kyle Shanahan is better, but. It's, uh, I think it's going to be really hard to find other Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay's, and I think it's going to be easier to get more guys like Spags or Eric Bieniemy. So and Spags may not want a head coach again, and that'd be perfectly yeah. fine with me because that means he's going to park his butt in that D.C. chair in Kansas City for a long time, and I'm okay with that because Bob Sutton traumatized this fan base, and Spags has remedied most of it. So, Do you think – when I, to me, Eli Manning, I don't think, should have ever won the 2007 Super Bowl MVP. You can give it to every 11 starting defender, and you could even make an <laughs> argument that Spagnola should have got it. To me, it's the best defensive game plan we have seen in the Super Bowl since that time. Who has taken Tom Brady out in the prime of his career? Took him out of his game. They Made destroyed him, look, him. Destroyed him. When are we going to see another defensive coordinator masterpiece like that? in the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and I don't want to hear Bucks fans say last year because we're fighting with half a deck. So f fight me. That's not what happened. Maybe I, next I don't year. think that was a great game plan. I, I think, I don't think that was all game plan. I, I think there's a lot <laughs> well, that the game plan it. was they had Garrett and I playing tackle. That's the game plan. 
Yeah, you can't game plan for injuries. You can't game plan for injuries. You can't game plan to battle against injuries. We had our fifth tackle in and our seventh guard and our ninth other guard. Like, what are what what are we doing? (laughs) You guys, your guys is your guys is offensive line week seventeen against the Chargers was better than what you've trotted out on the field. To be honest, correct. Because it was healthier. And people, those guys, everybody's like, oh, it was the same line. Yeah, notice where they were located. Andrew Wiley was playing right tackle, not right guard. First time he he played right tackle the entire year. (laughs) What? No. So, game plan wise, the only game that I would think that the defense was close is the evisceration that the Broncos got by the Seahawks when Peyton Manning was washed. But I don't really count it because Peyton Manning was done. Like, he was done at that point. He's feeling the neck. I love neck Peyton. Was- He's an all-time great, but he was done with like his neck, his arm. The you saw the ball come he out of his hands. Move. I mean, he had to move his whole body to move his head. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Through his progressions, his Robotron. Good, 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 good. So, <laughs> let's get moving on. Let's talk about quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Zach, I haven't heard your voice very much. We keep hearing Gary <laughs> Kyle. Zach, tell me everything I need to know about Patrick Mahomes. Well, I, I think because of the the Super Bowl loss, and that's the last time people have seen him. Um, it wasn't as spectacular as we've known, become to known Mahomes. So I think people, casual fans, want to instantly write him off, say he's regressing or due for an off year. I think he simply put the best player in football today. Um, he is, hands he's down. So good. And that's all I really have to say. He's fully recovered from his <laughs> offseason surgery. Um, most of his offenses, weapons are back. If it's not better than last year's, it's definitely revamped. So you got an offensive line in front of him. I don't expect Mahomes to be nothing less than dominant again in 2021. And he is. He absolutely is. He is the MVP in 2019 for a reason. He's got two Super Bowl appearances. He's only 26 years old. He's got one of the best supporting casts around him. I think the offensive line got better. We'll talk about the offensive line here in a second. But he's got a top five wide receiver. In my opinion, Tyreek Hill offers something that most players really don't. He's got Travis Kelsey, who is the best tight end. I think that their offensive line is upgraded from what it was last year at the beginning of the season. They got better, and he's he's at his best playing off-platform, makes any throw from any angle. It's just insane to see his ability to, to just get the ball out, whether it's he's falling down, whether he's throwing off his back foot, and he's become more accurate every season, which is super, super dangerous. It's like if Leo from The Matrix was a uh, NFL football player. It is. <laughs> it defies gravity. Like the, the horizontal to the turf and throw – Slang it 60, 70 yards. That's that not normal. He's an alien. was insane. That was, to me, the highlight of the Super Bowl because he that Super Bowl is not very funny. with that football, by the oh, way. Oh, sorry. Yeah, catch the ball, by the way, Kansas <laughs> he City deserves, He deserved that to be a touchdown. That would have been a Super Bowl highlight. It didn't matter if they lost or not. That would have been a Super Bowl highlight for him. It needed to be a key and peel skit where it just stuck in his face mask. <laughs> like Because he wasn't doing anything for him. But Mahomes did it all. It just needed to stick there. If anybody watched that Super Bowl and thought Mahomes wasn't spectacular in that game, oh I encourage God. you to go back and rewatch that Super Bowl and only watch him. Just watch him because he's doing his 446 yards of scrambling before the throw. Which Almost I think 500 the yards. Number. Yeah, that's in one game, not his whole season. That was just the Super Bowl uh, on a destroyed toe that he had to have 
surgically fixed after the season. And he wasn't guessed at all the entire game. And he had three drop touchdown passes in that game. I got a lot of respect for Mahomes. That's all I'm. <laughs> I do, and I have a lot of good things to say, and I'm not going to say them because I'm a Chargers fan. But <laughs> he is phenomenal, and I, I will say that his contract to the Chiefs is an asset, not a liability. It oh, is yeah. a good contract. Oh, somebody that understands contracts. Thank God. So good. So good to finally hear someone. So his cap hit <laughs> next year is only seven point five million in this coming year, right? It jumps to 35 million. And for most of his 23 to 29, it sits in the 40s. And if you think in 2026 that the average contract isn't in the 40s for an average quarterback, you're going to be surprised because every single year it goes up. The NFL just signed massive lucrative contracts with NBC, Fox, CBS, and it's only going to get richer and richer and richer. And the Chiefs, somehow did not have to pay Patrick Mahomes a whole lot of guaranteed money. So if he is just injured for the next four years or something crazy like that happens, they can actually cut bait because his, I I don't even have it written down, but his guaranteed money is not anywhere close to $500 million. So so the way that this contract works, and I'm going to pump somebody that did a whole really big article breakdown on this, our guy Connor um, Christofferson, Connor underscore DKC on Twitter. He writes for Arrowhead Report for SI. He broke down this contract for anybody that's curious about how Mahomes' contract is going to play out over the next decade. It is not the crutching, crippling thing everybody wanted to tell you it is. Trust me. For a couple reasons. One, you're talking about the guaranteed money, and they did give him a guarantee. It just doesn't operate in a strict way. So the way that the contract works is basically it guarantees after tra- after June 1 or something for the second year out. So for whatever year, twenty, so like this year, 2023 is guaranteed. 2022, 2024 is already guaranteed money. 2023, 2025. So it's, it's split out to her. And then the other thing they can do, and I think it's automatic actually, is that it automatically restructures his bonuses and the way that that base works into signing bonus so that it prorates it out. You'll never see his cap hit at 40 million until everybody else's is. You won't because they don't have to. They can change it every year and they can, oh, they don't have any salary cap. Oh, my home's restructured. Now they have 40 million. Where'd that come from? Well, he can restructure it. They can restructure it without even asking him, I believe, every season if they so choose to. But those restructures will they kick it out down the road. Future. Yeah, sure. they, they're going to pay for it eventually. And the one of the other happen, things, but it won't happen until everybody else is paying the piper. One of the other things I noticed about his contract is he has one like extremely high year where his cap hits like sixty nine million, yep. and it prorates the rest of the left into the right of that, so that that year you guys are going to actually feel that cap hit, but it's only going to be one year, and and every year after that, it's it's an asset. So they they they're biting the bullet in one specific year, and I think it's in like 2027 or something weird, like way well, out in the future. They can pick the year basically because they can restructure that contract however they basically however they see fit. And whenever that salary cap explosion from those hundred billion dollar TV deals you were mentioning in the preview to this, that's when they'll take the hit. Is when they've exactly. got the largest jump room, they'll be like, okay, time to eat it, Pat. You're gonna yep. get 70 million this year. Hope you like paying taxes. <laughs> you'll see, you'll notice it because your guys' starting wide receiver is going to be Byron Pringle that year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they'll <laughs> be drafting what's... receivers. You're going to see wide receivers yeah. in the in the in the draft at 32 probably for the next two or three years. 
So you'll see it. There will be one year where you guys are going to, the, the Piper is going to come and you guys are going to have to come pay. Oh, it's going to uh, be such a good year for the Chargers. I'm already tired of talking <laughs> I about bank Patrick on that. Mahomes. I, I want to move on from Patrick Mahomes because we already know he's the best player. We in don't want to talk about the Herbert conversation that your fans stirred up at the golf course. Let's bring it up. I don't care. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> well, I guess we got to do now. Kyle I guess we got to. Let's talk about, about Justin Herbert. <laughs> I want to know your guys' thoughts on Justin Herbert. What can we expect from Justin Herbert? And in comparison, and we'll, we'll do it because I know that the comparison, it's not fair. Justin Herbert is not on the same level as Patrick Mahomes, but he, I do believe he has the talent to be. So let's, Garrett, let me first. get your guys' thoughts. Garrett, what are your thoughts on Justin Herbert? Yeah, Next Justin season. Justin Herbert, I think I think he's gonna I think he's gonna have a really good career. Next season, it's kind of you know, I think it's gonna be kinda interesting because he's getting, you know, another offense or I guess he's not getting an offensive coordinator change if I you guys kept the same yeah, offensive he is. coordinator. No, we got uh Joe okay. Lombardi from the Saints. So Joe Lombardi is gonna be running the Saints offense. You guys are gonna be seeing lots of different sets every mm. single series. It's gonna be very complex. We'll, we'll yep. get into that later, but yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see how he adjusts to that, you know, just going into his second year. And, you know, he didn't have, obviously, much of a, a, a training camp last year. No one did. Um, so it'll be interesting to see him kind of just take up the new system. But to be honest, like, he is he's really good. And, like, you know, if we didn't have Patrick Mahomes, or, uh, I would be, I'd be a little jealous because, you know, I think he has all the tools there to be a really special, like, franchise QB. He's got a really good arm. He's... You know, he's six six. He's like a really big human, but he's also like really athletic. Like I think he's got a lot of really like good traits about him. I think he's also like a really good locker room guy. Like I really like uh, him as a person and his personality and everything like that. So his I think he's gonna be. Yeah, like he's, his interviews, he's just super professional. Yeah, he's super cool and just you know he he has a he's, you know Mahomes is kind of a similar similar vein where you know. I think Herbert already gets it in terms of maturity and knowing that he is going to be be the face of the franchise for the next, you know, many years to come, most likely. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, as long as the progression keeps on going for him and he keeps on, you know, getting better on the football field, which I have no doubt about, like, I think he's going to I think he's going to have a good career. And I think it's going to be a a solid rivalry once he develops into, you know, a a top 10 quarterback. Like, I think it's going to be a really good rivalry to see him and Mahomes face off twice a year. Go ahead, Kyle. From my end, like I said, I love Justin Herbert. I wanted, I actually wanted the Dolphins to take him, and you guys ended up with Tua because I had far less faith in Tua than I had in Herbert when that draft was taking place. But um, I think a lot of this is going to depend, like Garrett said, on the newness of the coaching staff and how he adjusts to that system. Also, it's a sophomore year now, so there's tape out. And for everybody on earth not named Patrick Mahomes, there's a supposedly a sophomore slump for the most part in quarterbacks. We there's very few that have never that don't have it. Uh, Peyton really didn't have one. He just had a terrible rookie year because that team was awful around him. Um, I just I don't see them. His record probably is going to be better than last year because I think that their team is going to be improved from last year. Just strictly getting rid of the some of the coaching decisions that took like I every as much as Chiefs fans and Chargers fans are in the same division and there's like the rivalry thing. It's not like the Raiders and it's not like. The Broncos, where I just absolutely despise almost don't, all of them. Yeah, I really and, don't like those franchises. Yeah, I, I, I hate them. You, you Chief fans, you watch yeah. right. and sit there, and I'm like, God, they have struggled. And these fans, I, and I don't, I don't get it. Your guys' fan base are some loyal, some loyal people. Because God, yeah, loyal, a loyal few. Like you, I, uh, decisions, and they're six wins better last year. 
let me tell you this, bro. I got out of the military in 2015. I moved across the street from Qualcomm Stadium, literally right across the street, right? And a year and a half later, they left. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, what, why are you leaving me? Like, And I understand I felt the pain of every other Charger fan. They've been in San Diego since 1960. I felt that pain. Well, and we I didn't leave, but I felt that LA. pain. And our, our our jingle is out the door. The San Diego Superchargers. That got me so that jazzed on, Saturday, on Sundays. We don't. That history piece is gone. You're sharing a stadium with in a city where they basically think you're second fiddle because the Rams were there first and been there. Yeah. I and no. Care actually, about the, Rams, the Chargers were there. For a single year in 1960. Yes, but they didn't build it all, build a fan base over there. No, they and with it being pretty much a predominantly Rams town, as someone who used to run a Rams social media account at one point, like it's tough out in L.A. to grab Charger fans because there aren't many in L.A. Most of them still are in San Diego, and a lot of them are pissed off about what you just said. And that's why your fan base <laughs> took such a hit is because you, and you made the – entire fan base so angry dean spanos is not liked at all again we're a little off topic but you when they moved you you took like a piece of the heart of san diego and you just threw it away it hurts man and i didn't and i didn't like it for the chargers fans and i felt bad for him for a long time mostly because like i said every time like big games it would be either be anthony lynn or philip rivers would decide to go fully uncoordinated philip rivers for five seconds and do something terrible and then bye and that's franchise you watch your tongue about philip rivers you well (laughs) you mentioned daniel Sorensen. fans should know daniel Sorensen's name front back and sideways because he was philip philip rivers favorite receiver in clutch moments and he was on wearing a chiefs uniform the whole time i love i don't like that that's what i wanted to see (laughs) when you're craving church's three-piece classic there's no other option two crispy legs a thigh and a warm honey butter biscuit are the only way and that's why we call it a classic. Church's Texas Chicken. Tap the banner to find your nearest location. Offer valid at participating locations. <laughs> Let's get back on topic. Let's talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Jarek McKinnon, Daryl Williams, and Darwin Thompson. I really like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. In 13 regular season games, he had 803 yards rushing. He would have pro- probably eclipsed 1,000 yards last season. He only had four touchdowns that has everything to do with play calling because the Chiefs would pass the ball into the red zone. He's not a power back. I don't knock him at all for his lack of touchdowns when he's the fourth, you know, red zone target in that offense for them. He was PFF's 21st ranked running back. I did a minimum of 75 carries on that, so... He, he was productive. He wasn't the most productive back. He's still a young guy. He's still progressing. I expected him to have more of a Naheem Hines utilization in that offense, and it didn't get to that point specifically. I, I do like Jarek McKinnon. Uh, I think he is a very good running back for that style of offense. When you're throwing a lot of screens, you're doing a lot of that type of style uh, I, I like their running backs. I think that there's a lot of room for them to progress. Uh, we'll see where it ultimately leads because that is a passing offense and running backs are, are not going to be big contributors in that offense. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to have a, a fantastic year this year with an improved offensive line. You know, he was running behind for, for you know, the first couple of games. He started out really hot, actually, and had some really good rushing performances against the Bills and even the Ravens. Um, and, you know, he obviously suffered along with the rest of the team with the, uh, the injuries to the offensive line. But, you know, I think a lot of Chiefs fans were disappointed in his usage. I think a lot of people did anticipate more of him being used in the passing game and, you know, him being like a, a you know, an actual receiving threat. And he just didn't quite get there last season. I think that's, you know, obviously in part to the lack of offseason and everything like that and, you know, injuries. There's a lot of factors that definitely played into it. Um, but, you know, I think he's going to have a, a different role this year. I think he's going to have an improved one. Like I said, the offensive line's better. I think he's going to know. I think Andy Reid knows what he has now with uh, with him and knows, you know, now he can take it one step further and start utilizing him more in the passing game and everything like that, especially with the full offseason. I think he's going to have uh, an incredible year. And as far as the rest of the running backs on the roster, uh, you know, there's some there's some decency to it. There, it's not the greatest. Um, you know, Daryl Williams was our, our, like, basically our second running back last year for the most part, more of our power guy. Um, he kind of got a lot of those power touches. Um, I think he'll have a, a better year. Jarek McKinnon, you know, it's kind of unclear still if he's, some people don't even know if he's going to make the roster. I think he has a good chance of making the roster, but you know, it's just Andy Reid really doesn't use running backs often. Like you said, like he kind of just goes with whoever's hot and whoever's contributing right now and, and utilizes them like that. So it'll be interesting to see, but I think Clyde is uh, definitely primed for a huge year. All right. Training camp. Training camp. Before Training camp. we, I'm going to start speeding things up a little bit. Let's talk about wide receivers and Zach, I'm going to give you the mic a little bit. So let's okay. talk about Tyree Hill, Nicole Hardiman, Marcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Cornell Powell. What are your thoughts on the chiefs wide receiver group? I think you, you're talking Chiefs receivers. You instantly go Tyreek Hill, fresh off his fifth straight Pro Bowl in five seasons. Uh, and last year, he recorded a career-high 15 touchdowns. The guy's in his prime, healthy, as fast as ever. He's one of the game's, game's greatest and can score whenever he touches the ball. Sammy Watkins left, so you got a, a hole at wide receiver too. I really like McCall Hardman, very fast. But you really just don't know what to to expect from him. He's been very he's been used in a limited role. It'll it'll be interesting to see if if his effectiveness because he's been super effective these last couple of years. It, it'll be interesting to see if he can maintain that consistency when he plays more this year. Behind those two guys, you have Demarcus Robinson, Byron Ping, Pringle, both young guys, um, but we're both on both Super Bowl runs, so I think they have a lot to prove and and. People have been really high on Cornell Powell, I've heard in camp out of Clemson, fifth-round draft pick. He's been impressing during OTAs, so I, I expect him to also be a big part of the wide receiver rotation there in Kansas City. The only thing I want to say about the wide receiver group is you get two burners, Tyreek Hill and Nicole They're Hardiman. fast, man. They are fast, but they lost, the loss of Sammy Watkins, I feel like that's going to be felt because I don't think Demarcus Robinson's going to be able to feel that. I also don't think Byron Pringle's going to feel that. I think Cornell Powell is a pretty good uh, developmental piece that you guys got there from Clemson. I'm excited to see what he's able to do. Uh, but I, I think that they actually got worse when Demarcus Robinson became their number three. So we'll see where that ultimately leads. Let's talk about tight ends. I'm going to push this over to you, Kyle Henning. Travis Kelsey is a beast. He's the guy. What are your thoughts on 
they also have Bell. I don't Blake Bell and I forget the other guy. What are your thoughts on the tight end group? Um, Travis Kelsey is Travis Kelsey. I don't really need to put a whole lot of wording no, into that. Everybody's pretty much familiar with Travis. Um, there's a reason TU is him and George Kittle's baby. There's a reason that <laughs> I haven't heard that one. That's good. That it's it's. There's a reason those two dudes are – it's them two and everybody else, and it's not even close. And it's him, and he's above I, – I don't – sorry, Niners fans, not really that close on that front either. He's ahead of George Kittle. Not really that hard to figure out. He broke um, a record last year for most receiving yards by a tight end in NFL history, 14-something. I don't even care what it is. He had the best – Records, S with an S, plural. Yeah. Yeah, like he is the guy. Season over a thousand yards, fourteen thirty-one years old. Something. Yeah, and he's got all. And the way his game is going to continue to progress his career, you're going to see him for considerably more years because he doesn't take hits. He doesn't. He's a get future Hall of Famer. Uh, that's yeah. something I like about Kelsey's game. I've never seen the guy get lit up as a, a tight end. <laughs> you're crossing the formation all the time. How does that guy? I've never seen him get lit up. That that's just has a feel of the, everything he's, around him. Yeah, he's yeah. slippery. Super. The two aware. reasons are one, he usually separates from his defender enough that he's not getting hit by the guy immediately, so he can adjust when the guy's coming in to hit him. And two, his quarterback, he's had a quarterback that knows how to not lead him into a hospital pass routinely over the yeah. middle, like we used to see tight ends take all the time. Yeah. But like I said, a lot of it has to do with the fact that usually the guy that's supposed to be covering him is laying on the field somewhere behind him trying to keep up with where he was. Broken went. ankles and two meniscus later. And also his body control is yeah. is something that's really like he he's just like a very slippery guy. Like he's he's moving air, he's jumps, like he's his he'll cut like he is very he's very good at avoiding contact for sure. And so, so on the rest of that tight end group, the guy to watch this year and it's a rookie is Noah Gray. And they're going to use him as an H-back. They're going to use him in line. They might split him out. If they want to put Travis in line, they might split Travis out. But you're going to see different things with this offense with two tight ends that you've not seen Andy do in a while because he hadn't had two tight ends. Then they have Blake Bell as a blocker. And as a if I have to throw it to him, I can. And I know he'll at least catch it. He's a former quarterback at Oklahoma. He's actually from my hometown. Um, I've watched a lot of Blake Bell. I know I know Blake very well from watching him all the way through. Um so this the tight end room is not lacking, and Noah Gray is a guy that's going to if you have sleeper late like backup fantasy projections to pick up, he's going to get some touches and he's going to get some opportunities to score touchdowns. They're going to do some things with him this year that you haven't seen before. So moving on to offensive line, so the the Chiefs replaced Eric Fisher with Orlando Brown. They replaced uh, Kaliche Osemele with Joe Thune. Uh, they added Austin Blythe from Austin Reader, I think is his name. Uh, they added Kyle Long. They get back Laurent Tuvernay Tardif. I probably said that wrong, Garrett. You'll you'll correct it's French. me. French, put some seconds. French on it. That one might have been the closest one yet. You say that was actually probably the closest you've been on. Tuvernay Tardif. <laughs> Tuvernay Tardif. Yeah. Laurent. And then Mike Rimmers Laurent. returns. I believe he returns. Uh, yep, yep. I think there's a possibility Lucas Nyang could actually challenge him for that starting right tackle position give me your thoughts on the offensive line Garrett yeah so we're adding a lot of pieces obviously pretty much five new starters on the offensive line Orlando Brown stud left tackle he's going to be really good for us no question about that same with Joe Tooney he's going to be a solid piece on the left guard side I mean that left that left side is going to be uh, dominant and then as far as center like 
the starting center is going to be Creed Humphrey. Like he's going to our second round draft pick out of Oklahoma. He's a really good. He's really like, they like him a lot. I think I like Creed Humphrey a lot. Yeah, they're putting, yeah, and they're putting totally him in that. charge. Yeah. They're putting him in charge now as the center of, you know, a brand new offensive line. I think he's going to do really well in that role. And then, you know, right guard, there's a lot of different options. Kyle Long, Laurent Duvernay, Tardif, um, Trey Smith, I think is one a sleeper guy that he might not get the start right away, but with the Kyle Long's injuries, I think training camp is going to come around with him getting a lot of first team reps. We stole him in like the sixth round, which is I didn't absolutely even crazy. see that you guys got Trey Smith. I'm super yeah. pissed and Creed yeah. Humphrey. Absolutely oh stole gosh. both of those guys. And then, obviously, right tackle. Mike Remmers is going to be there. Lucas Niang opted out last season, and he'll be back um, competing for that spot. There's a lot of a lot of hype around him, a lot of love in the organization for Lucas Niang last year when he was drafted. So, And a lot, you know, a lot of people thought he might be a first-round talent. So it'll be interesting to see how he gets a, a full offseason and see if he can compete for that right tackle spot. Um, but I think he likely will be our right tackle for uh, the foreseeable future after this year. I really think it's crazy what the Chiefs did this offseason because I, I thought when Eric Fisher and, M- and Mitchell Swartz got the axe, like I was like, that this is our end. Charger, they're going to have a great <laughs> year. Chiefs thing. offensive line sucks. And then somehow a lot of new faces, a lot of moving parts. I really like what Kansas City did. They not only built up an offensive line that makes them competitive today but I, I like the new pieces and it also makes you competitive for the future i really like what they did that offensive line is going to be good and it's got so time. much depth you look at there's so many a lot young of players a lot of players and that's Trey the smith creed humphrey kyle lung lucas niang even prince tego what would go whatever the hell his name is he was a big Prince. draft guy. I don't even with that one. I just call him yeah. Prince. They they definitely have some pieces there on the offensive line where if players go down to injury, there's there's somebody to replace them. Yeah, I'm excited not, about that. They're not that having a repeat in, in a bad way. They're not having a repeat of last year. Like they are making sure they have adequate depth and lots of it. That okay. right side is the most interesting thing to watch in training camp because I don't think you can start three rookies on the right side, and you're starting created center. So that's happening. So that then determines whatever happens with Kyle Long and where if he can come back and play and he's healthy. If Long is their guard, I I expect to see Niang at tackle. If Trey Smith is their guard, I expect to see Long at tackle and Rimmers to be the swing tackle. That's, that's what I think they're going to do. That's definitely interesting. Moving on to to the defensive line, let's go let's go with Edge. I think this is your guys' weakest place on your guys' entire roster which is not a good thing for a 4-3 defense zach what are your thoughts on alex okafor the the brand new signing that happened yes yesterday and yeah. obviously frank clark's not going to be there so taco charlton mac dana uh those are your your main edge rushers i i'm pretty sure frank clark his his hearings pushed to october so i was pretty i was under the assumption that he was starting the season Correct. I, I think they have. Frank I would Clark. bet money the NFL doesn't do anything until that case is resolved because that is most of the time how they handle these situations. And if his court dates in October, we won't hear squat from them if we haven't already till October. That and that's so kind you of have the, four weeks. You've got four weeks. He's. I'm surprised they didn't kick him off the roster. I think the only reason they didn't is because they're so light at that position. I, I don't think there's any. Uh, way I think can. there's. 
I think there's a little more deep to that. I think he's proved he's he he was brought in and, and you know I think they know who he is. He was brought in as a very like big locker room presence. And also the fact that you know while his charges are very serious, you also have in to remember California. yeah, and in California they're also nonviolent crimes. You know, so at the end of the day, no one was harmed in anything. You know, it's not a, a Kareem Hunt situation that we've seen before. Um, with no the video coming out a that's going to change things. Here's what? the thing: a gun charge in California. Is the worst oh, that's, I mean, possible yes. scenario. That's bad. Yeah, it's bad. But I live here. I know. Oh yeah, I, we all we all do, except for Kyle. It seems like we all know I, how. I California gun laws. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that on this. Podcast. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a five hour episode. Yeah, we're, we're not, not doing that on this podcast. We're not. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Zach, on Alex Okafor? We'll save Frank Clark's there for four weeks if he's lucky. I really don't think the Kansas City's edge is as big of a problem as people want to make it out to be because of all of the young guys coming up through the ranks. They got Okafar back. I, I think he's just a placeholder, but they're really holding down the fort for guys like, uh, what's his name? Taco Charlton. Who Taco Charlton, but the Taco other guys. I'm thinking, Brett is it Michael Dana? Yeah. Taco time. The other defensive end you guys have. Mike, Mike Dana. 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 Yep. I think those two guys, I think Kansas City has a lot of faith in them, and I really like their development. Also, you're going to have Frank Clark at least up until the October 10th, 15th date when his court date is. I don't mind their edge presence because of all the interior pass rushers that they have. You can create, you can rush the passer from the interior, and with the guys that they have on the interior, I'm really not worried about their edge. I, I, I think Chris Jones and then you add Jaron Reed to that mix in the interior, they're going to collapse the pocket. It doesn't really matter who's on the edge. Taco Charlton can get there when Jaron Reed and, and Chris Jones are blowing up their guys 5, 10, 15 yards into the quarterback's face. I'll add also, to that. So Chris Jones is just a star. That dude just creates so much havoc, not only in, in the passing game, but in the run game as well. He's just such an a big immovable target. He does so much. And then they added Jerron Reed. And then you got Kalen Saunders and Derek Nandi who are well above average starters on any other NFL team. I, and I, I really like, like Nandi. Guys, Nandi like and now Nandi's not going to be starting and you're going to have used Nandi as a rotational pass rusher? Come Ooh. on. That, that's scary. Ooh, hold the oh, yeah. Time out. Time out. Hold, hold let's, the get, let's clear some stuff up here. All right. Defense let's help line. a little bit out here because there's yeah. been some developments along this DN position. Chris Jones is going to play DN some this year for one. Let's yeah, Chris Jones is going to be a defensive quick. end this year. For, they, uh, he came into at least camp, some downs. He came into camp light, comparatively speaking. He came into camp only learning the edge position all the way through OTAs. They have Did basically told him he gets his wish to move outside and play outside some this year. Yeah, he's been wanting to move. They now have Jaron Reed, as you mentioned. We have Derek Naughty. By the way, Colin Saunders got benched for the back half of last season in place of Turk Wharton, who we didn't talk yeah. about. Who's a UDF Colin Saunders played linebacker versus you guys yeah. in week 17. Yes, he did. So, so that. The defensive end position becomes far less questionable when Chris Jones is a defensive end for half your snaps. And he's going to rush he's from there. He's paid, right? That's why he's oh, moving he, to edge. Well, he just got paid. He got paid Did like he? that. Yeah, he Chris, Jones, 20, Chris Jones has $22 million gotten very, very paid. Yeah, yeah 22, 20 very and a half. Paid. He got Aaron very Donald paid. money. <laughs> I didn't see all of that. 
Yeah. So yeah. let's. I would pump the brakes on the question marks at the defensive end position strictly because they're planning on using one of the most disruptive defensive linemen that we've that we've seen in the last five years at that position now because yeah. they have a guy who is almost as disruptive in Jaron Reed that they're paying a third of what they're paying Chris Jones. So if we're yeah. going to pay you like an edge rusher, go be an edge rusher when we need you to. Does be. Chris Jones have the speed off the edge to to really oh. hold that down? He's, oh yeah, he's going to be. I don't know that you're going to see a, a remote difference in how quickly and effectively he can get to the passer. He has the strength. He has the length. He is the build. And, yeah, his fire off isn't going to change because he moved sit, moved four feet. They used him in positions like that a little bit here and there. The biggest thing for him is when Spags decides to drop him into coverage as a defensive end. That's so, what he's got to learn. I saw a lot of those reports that we're going to move Chris Jones to the edge, but are you buying that, that he's going to play mm-hmm. majority of his snaps at the edge? Maybe I would not say, the majority. I don't know about majority, but I would say more than forty percent or in that yeah, neighborhood. Move him but because he's I'll a fixture, because he's a fixture of the edge rotation, you're you're okay with Taco Charlton and Dana taking those extra yeah. snaps. Taco Charlton last year, you know, you said he fizzled out with the Cowboys, and that's true. But last year with us, until he got injured uh, halfway through the season, he played really well. Like he was leading the team in sacks yeah. last year for us. Like really Taco Charlton, Taco Charlton played really well for us. I don't, I have no doubt that he'll actually. Uh, continue that trend and play well this year mike dana uh he was kind of a a rotational guy he's his athleticism is kind of capped but i think he's going to be a really good base defensive end for us for a while um he's you know he's got those kind of tangibles uh and you know like you guys saw him versus the chargers in week two like he uh he 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 was a presence that week so you know i'm it's not the worst defensive end rotation in the world we also drafted joshua kando out of florida state i like uh, kando so yeah, i actually a, think that he's a, a prototypical defensive end for spags like he's he checks all of spags's measurement and trait kind of quotas so he'll he'll once he gets developed with brendan daly as a d-line coach like he's going to be a, a force for us so you know it's not I don't think it's as bleak. I think it still is, like you said, probably the worst position on, on paper for the Chiefs, but I still don't think it's as bad as uh, as some people believe. I think Chris Jones on the edge is not where you want him. I think you want that interior pressure. I think that's the strength that he brings. I feel like pushing him out the edge is taking a guy who's a 98 overall in Madden from the interior and pushing him out to a, like, 87 on the edge. I don't think it makes sense. That's just my way of describing that. So let me give you that vein then. Mike Dan is a 71 in Madden, basically, right? And you take Chris Jones and you make him an 87 at defensive end. And then you plug Derek Naughty, who's an 86 in and not a 98 in the center. And you have Jaron Reed, who's a 93 in Madden in the center now. Look, my only point is that you put your be- your players I, in the best position to succeed. And he's, he's at his best from the sure. interior, not from the edge. He's... he's Still be disruptive off the edge, but you put players in the best position for their skill set, and Chris Jones' best skill set is from the interior. Let's move on to linebackers. I actually like your guys' linebacking room a lot. You guys need to learn how to play Willie Gay. I don't know why you guys didn't want to <laughs> yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, I like Willie, Nick Lack, Ford, of, lack of offseason. He, he is raw. I really like Willie Gay. He's uh, raw, though. Really raw. Really raw, but super toolsy. Mm-hmm. Anthony Hitchens, uh, he's he's your guys' veteran to the linebacking group. Uh, ben Neiman is terrible. He's trash. Uh, <laughs> Nick Bolton is your guys' starter. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to play more of a Will or a Sam role. I know ESPN has them as the, the Will. I think he, he probably fit a little bit better 
and that Sam linebacker let him kind of line up on the tight end. ESPN I don't know what has Nick Bolton as 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 Will as the Will uh, as the Will. I like him as a Sam. I like him as yeah. as a guy that's going to play more in the run game. That's just my opinion on it. Well, point uh, to Dorian, that. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Dorian Daniel, by the way, nothing important to talk about there, so you don't have to finish. Yeah, uh, that's all right. But yeah, a point to that though, Spagnolo with his linebackers, he kind of he he trains them everywhere. Like Willie Gay learned all three linebacker positions last year. Nick Bolton's likely going to learn all three. I think. I mean, long term, Nick Bolton's a mic for us. Like he's going to be the replacement for Anthony Hitchens next year, most likely, if not this Probably. year, if he if he scrapes, if you know he finds that role. Um, so between you know him and Willie Gay switching between Will and Sam, I don't think it's going to matter too much. It just his response responsibilities are kind of he the spags is going to put him in a position where his responsibilities are are best capable for for what he has and so you know between willie gay and nick bolton i think we have two really solid linebackers for the next you know four or five years at least like there's a, a solid core to build on and then you know like you said anthony hitchens is still there he's a veteran presence um you know it's not it's not a terrible group for sure it's do not. We, do you like, I like Anthony Hitchens? You like Anthony Hitchens? I do. I don't hate him. I like him. He's he's just you know he's a he's a starting middle linebacker, and that's about where the conversation ends. You know, he's <laughs> um, a starting caliber. Physically, that's opinion. where the conversation ends. You yeah. can I think he's a little overpaid to you guys. No. I think he's a little too expensive for, for yeah. what he is. Uh, the captain he of the is defense. Captain he's the of the adjustment. defense, sure. He's Whatever. the adjustment guy. He makes he does he have he does have the dot. up on the line. He makes all the linebacker adjustments. He yeah, is the brains true. of that defense, and he's Spagnuolo's right hand. And he's a veteran, right? That's the he's guy. A veteran to the group. To that's a young the guy group. that gets underrated, and I'm going to thoroughly yeah. enjoy this year because he came in also lighter because of what they basically asked him to do now. And I expect him to play. This is a contract year for him. Essentially, he's got two young guys that are underneath him that are here to replace him. He's either trying out for another team on this season. Uh, coming off probably his best season that he's had, which was last year. And he's going to have to ball out to get us another contract somewhere and be a starter. So yep. and it's, it's going to be elsewhere because Nick Bolton and Willie Gay is your guys' future there. Mm-hmm. I hope yeah. Ben Neiman is your guys' future. You're right. I hope you're right about the other two. Ben Neiman is not. Ben <laughs> Neiman will not be our future. To quote, to quote 8 Mile, he's not the future of shit. No. <laughs> I don't I, think I've, I've ever heard anybody nice quote great, 8 Mile. No. That's the that's first. Like I like that. that. Let's go over to your guys' secondary. I really, really like Legarius Sneed. I liked mm-hmm. him when he was in college at Louisiana Tech, I think it was. He is the guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he was lining up against wide receiver ones next season. He's he's super, super good. He is he's better than Shavari's Ward. Ward's, I think, average to above average DB. Uh, I'm not too crazy about Ward, but Snead I am. I think he is a superstar in this league just waiting. Uh, he, I know he had some injury issues last year, but the dude is – he's a turnover machine. Uh, I like him. I like him a lot. You're not uh, going to hear any arguments from stud. us on Snead. We love Snead over here. I'll let you go ahead and talk, Zach. Give me give me a quick sec. Why don't you what? go ahead and talk? To me, to me, cornerbacks are, are probably the least – talented position group because I, I do like Legarius Sneed and I do like Traverius Ward, but I, I just think they're so young and I'd really prefer them to be, you know, my two, three or my th- three, four would be ideal, but then to be my number one and my number two, a little concerning. I, I would, if I was a Chiefs fan, I would really want another cornerback added to that group just because they're so young. 
Do, do I like what I see from them? Yes. I, I just don't know if I'm ready to give them the reins as, you know, my one and two cornerbacks. That's a big, you know, role to take on. What do you guys think? Zach, you sure you don't spend a lot of time on Chiefs Twitter? Hey, I try to <laughs> s- stay clear from that. Okay. I'm barely that's, liked on my Chargers Twitter, dude. That's a, <laughs> that's a lot of the same. Th- well, they, they, they like you over in Chiefs Twitter because that's a very popular take. Um, yeah. We thought Rashad Breeland was coming back for a long time in that well, on this offseason. Um, basically, we ended up trading him for Mike Hughes in a roundabout kind of way. Um, not really in love with that. But uh, the veteran presence at quarterback would have been nice to add. I think Beach is at the point with Spags where they've adopted the philosophy of I can use basically whatever at corner because I can do whatever I need to with it. And I think a guy to keep an eye on who they really, really liked, they got for nothing because of a crazy extortion plot that involved him getting cut from the Giants or whatever. But DeAndre Baker is going to play snaps for this team this year. Mm-hmm. Going to be a piece. They loved him. At the end of last season, they love. That's why they started him in seventeen against you guys up until he broke his fibula or whatever it was. His yeah, that's leg. something so, in his leg. Yeah, um, that's that's the position where you're right. That's probably the least veteran group, uh, talent wise. They're they're probably pretty talented. They're very. That's a talented group. We're just yeah. not sure exactly of are they going to be consistent NFL corners. To me, it's the consistency. The yeah, and and then you just you're just so young there. The reason I'm not super worried about it is because you're stacked at safety. Yeah, that is that does help definitely. But the youth, I think, is the biggest concern with the corners. Mm-hmm. On on paper, we have a ton of talent. Obviously, the Jerry Sneed is going to be a stud no matter what. But then we have Rashad, Rashad Fenton, who's also more of a physical corner who can you know be played. And then you know, and there's there's a couple guys that you know it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Would definitely like the veteran presence, but you know. If uh, it's kind of it, it, the Chiefs haven't really invested high highly in cornerback the past couple years, anyways, so it's you know I feel like it can't get worse. So but you guys are also draft or like you guys are signing guys who are like early round draft picks from other teams that have not that's the beach special. Yeah, like Mike Hughes. Mike Hughes was drafted in 2018, like at the end of first the first rounder. round, maybe. Yep. Yeah, and you know he's one of those boomer bust guys like it didn't cost you a lot to bring him in he's got the talent right he can outplay yeah. his his contract easily not exactly. not for, you know and you guys have a young group there deandre baker's fits fits that same exact mold same you guys exact. are bringing in super talented super athletic guys to play there you guys have a lot of depth you guys have four i would say four to five starters on other teams that are light at that group um i like your guys's cornerback room i think tyran mateo is your your guys's leader to that defense he is phenomenal i really wanted him on the chargers when he became a free agent uh me too i did i wanted him so bad the honey badger is he's fun to watch and he's just a he's He's just he's a a small guy but he plays big i would say mateo is probably my favorite player who's not a charger because i really think honestly he could probably be credited with an an assist every single play he's always around the ball oh if the statistician wanted to they would be getting an assist every single play because the dude's just attracted yeah. to the football just look at he, the browns game in the in the divisional round versus us in this year like he was in the backfield so many times he had so many like 
quote-unquote tackle for losses, but he didn't even touch the guy. But just him getting into the backfield so quick and just knowing where to go, like, he causes plays. Like, so, His you presence know, still makes on the people sheet. fall down sometimes. Exactly. Like, he's he's way bigger than the stat sheet. He's and he's a, he's a guy that offensive coordinators go the opposite direction from. They see him lined up on the line of scrimmage, out, you know, on the strong side, and all of a sudden it's an audible to the other side because it's like, oh, we can't run to this guy because even though he's only like 5'10", 190 pounds, like he's a small, light dude. He just brings this presence, and he totally changes offensive game plans. He's the honey badger, crazy. dude. He's coming for the Cobra's throat. He's not scared. The perfect That's guy. why they called him the badger at LSU. Literally, that literally the perfect nickname to describe okay. describe that human. The but only yeah. person we haven't really talked much in depth about is Juan Thornhill. What are your guys' thoughts on Juan Thornhill? Yeah, Juan is, you know, he's set for another good year, I think. Uh, he, he was coming off of an ACL injury last year, so he was a bit limited for most of the season, I think. You know, that's kind of, it was kind of the general consensus. Um, but, you know, him and, and Matthew back there together, like, they're a really good duo. Um, Juan has great covering speed. He's, you know, he's like that center fielder, fielder, fielder that you want, uh, as a free safety, you know, he can, he can cover guys well and he's pretty athletic. So I think he's going to have another good year, um, and develop into a, a really good piece for us. Juan is what, Juan is what allows Tyron to do everything Tyron does, because yeah. as Garrett said, he's that center field piece. He can cover sideline to sideline, single high if he has to. He's got that kind of ability. He's got that. Now, it took about 12 weeks into the season to get him back to full go after that injury that he suffered super late two years ago, and he got beat up by Chiefs Twitter because he wasn't performing at the – I said he's not even six months off an ACL. Can we take five minutes, please? But he's what makes Matthew available to do everything Tyron does. That's why you're going to see Tyron get an extension – that's coming before the season starts. I would be willing to wager on that. Um, I also expect Matthew, like you talked about the corners, Zach. That's why they're okay with that youth at corner. They don't care because that dude is back there with that locker room. He plays every position in that secondary, and he knows them inside and out. And he's and he can teach any of those kids how to play any of those positions. And he does it with half their physical abilities because he's not Charvarius Ward's height. He can't run like Sneed. He's not Fenton's. He doesn't have each. They all have certain things that he doesn't have. Mm-hmm. But teach him all to play it because he knows all those positions. Well, that's, and I, where, that's where the defense turned. Him and Spags coming in together. Frank was fine and great, and he made huge plays in the postseason. But as far as physically turning that defense, Spags and Tyron are why. Well, and I, I love bumping Matthew into the slot. I think he really excels there. And then to have Sorensen and Will Parks, two very versatile safeties. I think they can fill in for both Thornhill and Matthew at a given's notice. I, I think being able to have that flexibility, being able to bump Matthew all over the position or all over the field, I really think gives Spagnola and the chiefs defense, you know, just this, this mask, this disguise. And, and what, what do they do so well is, is blitzing these exotic safety and DB packages. It lets them do it so well with so many versatile dbs in that in that group that's why like you said i'm not really worried about the lack of depth at at the cornerback position i don't think that you guys have a lack of depth at the cornerback position Uh, the last thing i'll say is i I don't think it's depth i think the depth is solid i want to say lack of of a a true superstar one and experience that's the i I think sneed can definitely you know excel in that role but I, i feel like he's a year or two off and that and that's just my 
then that's just where I'm at. I mean, you only got 10 games to sample off of him, so that's fair. That's a fair, fair yeah. judge to wait right. and see a little longer than 10 games. I, right. I agree with you. You got to well, kind of wait on those guys. The last thing I'll say about your guys' secondary, and Matteo, because this is a Chargers podcast, this isn't a Chiefs podcast. Let's look at this straight right here, right now. Uh, Matteo is actually utilized a lot like how Jerem James was utilized in his rookie season. He's that guy that kind of lines up all over the field. He's the guy that changes game plans all over the place. Juan Thornhill is a really good compliment. The way that Nasir Adderley is a good compliment to hopefully he'll become that good compliment because they kind of have a similar skill set. Uh, I think you guys are lacking a true CB1. That's kind of, but I think you guys have different guys there that could develop into that. You got DeAndre Baker, you've got Mike Hughes, Sneed is the guy that I expect to do it. Uh, Ward has been impressive in, in certain snaps. And I really so we'll don't see. think we should be sleeping on Rashad Fenton either. I really think Rashad he's Fenton too. developing nicely over there. And that actually, that camp battle is going to be something to really watch tightly to see who is your guys' number one. My battery's running low, so let's let's get through this real quick. Uh, the last part of this, special teams, Harrison Butker is probably a top five kicker in this league. I don't know much about Tommy Townsend. He's a kicker just as long as we can find a way to block some punts. I'm, I'm happy. Uh, All I know about Townsend is he was number two in punt average last year. Oh, yeah, apparently he's Super pretty Bowl freaking good. Until Super Bowl where he had rookie syndrome and completely peed down his leg. Yeah, don't watch him in the Super Bowl. <laughs> no? All right. <laughs> also, then, go ahead. I'll say just, to, comp- just yeah, to, to piggyback on that, you know, Bucker did have his, his lowest, uh, I believe his lowest, you know, percentages this season. And, you know, that might be in part to having a rookie holder like Townsend, you know, he had the veteran Dustin Colquitt for many years and, you know, Townsend, you know, he has some room to grow. It's, it's likely that he's going to be the, the punter for us, but you know, he's not the greatest. Let's just, let's just put that. They struggled on extra points last year. Well, Harrison struggled on extra points. He can hit from 50, 55, 61, 33. He hit the game winner from like 61 yards yeah. against the Chargers so in week one. I was 33 so is a mystery, though. He, he at 33, I'm always concerned on whether or not it's going through the uprights for whatever reason. He Extra points were a kryptonite for him last year, and I hope it's out of his head because he got really good at him after about a five-week at what is happening where he missed one, an extra point five weeks in a row, I think it was. And, and then- after that, he went back to being Butker again. So. I'm hoping we're done with the yips and we got the rookie Townsend Hunter, rookie punter holder out of the way. And now we can just move along with Dave Tobe and the special teams unit doing what they always do, being a top five unit in the league. And then the last thing I'll say is you guys have the absolute best returners. You guys have both Tyreek Hill and Nicole Hardiman. One goes down, you're not even worried because you've got another to come up. They are the fastest, top 10 fastest players in the league easily. I don't know how you guys get that lucky, but you guys did. I feel like combined, their 40-yard dash times are below eight. <laughs> they, they're pretty close. <laughs> pretty much. I think it's 4 one and 4 Yeah, they both run four flats. Yeah. yeah. I'll just they, say on the return. phenomenal. Yeah, I'll just say on the return game, unfortunately, Tyree Kill isn't really used much in the return game anymore just because he has, you know, taken a much bigger he's role in the offense. wide receiver one. He's yeah, exactly. And I think we're going to might, we might see a similar thing happen to McCold this year just because he's going to kind of be wide receiver two and get a lot more snaps on the offense. So there's Rashad a couple other guys. Fenton. Yeah, Rashad Fenton is a guy who can return Sorry, kicks. No, and, put an R in there. My bad. Yeah, what, come on, Kyle. Uh, but Rashad Fenton's guy. And then also. Basketball all week. It's my fault. Of course. 
And then also uh, Byron Pringle, another guy who mm-hmm. took a lot of return, returned some kicks last year and did really well. And then Demarcus Robinson can return kicks, but you don't want to return kicks. So don't put Demarcus Robinson out he there. He runs backwards. I don't want he to runs backwards kicks. into the end zone, basically. And I then do not fumbles. want to return kicks. He yeah. does not need to return kicks. He's it can't be forward. anything worse than having, uh, I forget, <sighs> small, tiny, Travis Benjamin <laughs> taking a punt oh, back man. into the end zone for a safety. It can't be anything worse than that. Uh, I'm at I'm at 2%, so I got to close this out. Thank you guys so much for coming in. The Kingdom Says Podcast, Garrett Williams, Kyle Henning. I don't see your guys. Well, I do see your Twitter handles. Garrett720 and at KVIN16. Nobody follow them on Twitter because they're Chiefs fans. Thank you guys so much for coming on to the podcast, and we'll, we'll talk to you guys later. Thank you so much, and over and out.